Hello and welcome to God is a Dad podcast. My name is Justin. In a minute, I'll be joined by my friends Dan, Jake, and Kent. And this is the podcast to come to if you would like to listen in on other parents' conversations about how they're trying to raise their kids more like the way God parents us. Usually every week, we'll ask a different question about the right way to parent, and then we'll proceed to have a conversation about how we think God approaches that question when he's parenting us. Today, we wanted to have on our friend Kent because he's been asking himself the question whether or not he should be telling his children that he's proud of them, specifically whether that brings about some negative consequences, such as maybe they feel like if he doesn't say he's proud of them, then his affection for them is conditional on their performance which I thought was a really good question. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope you do too. Let's go ahead and get to it. All right, let's uh, let's get officially started. Can, can you um, just give a quick little intro on just you, kind of who you are, your family? Yeah, my name's Kent Spray. I'm married to my wife, Lydia. We've been married almost seven years now, seven years in May. We have uh, two kids, Theo, who's two and a half now, and Natalie, who's about seven months old. Cool. So I'm I'm cur- I, I'm glad you suggested this conversation because I think it's a good one. So can you kind of explain what your question is, and then also explain like is there a is there a reason you're thinking about it lately? Is there like an experience you've had or a reason why that that question specifically is like on your mind? Yeah. So the question was, should we tell our kids we're proud of them for doing something? And if we do say that, does that communicate the inverse that we're ashamed when they don't do whatever we said we're proud of them for? And just thinking through that, how do we how do we praise our kids accomplishments without giving the perception that our approval of them is just conditional on what they do to to garner that? And there hasn't been like a defining thing that kind of spurred this question but I'm just kind of thinking about it recently as Theo's getting a little bit older and I don't know I've kind of wrestled with it in the back of my mind thinking about like being proud or thinking about pride I think I've always struggled personally with pride and I think that struggle that I've had in the past is kind of I don't know made me kind of kick back when you think about like being proud of something and so just thinking through like when we think about pride is it a virtue or is it strictly a vice that we're to shut off as christians and if if we do say it's a virtue how do we communicate that to our kids in a way that's that's healthy and helps them believe the right things about themselves and about god yep i've never felt like the term, oh, I'm so proud of you, has made any sense to me. Because it's like taking ownership or responsibility or like credit for other people's work. And so when it, somebody says like, oh, I'm so proud of you, you scored that goal. I'm like, mm, I, I feel like I should be the one that's proud of it. And then you should be happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's like... That so Dan never... is so proud that he's like putting up a stiff arm to anyone trying to cobble onto his pride. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never really understood it, how somebody can be proud. Uh, I think what people intend to say is like, wow, you did a really good job. Like, that's yeah. so awesome. I'm happy to be associated with you or whatever. But I do think that it's beneficial to praise our kids for their accomplishments or tell them good job or 
whatever way you want to word it for them so that they know that, you know, like what they did was good. And I just think having accomplishments that you can look to as a kid or as an adult is just super important. And I think it's also kind of hard to recognize when you have accomplished something that is of value sometimes uh, without having somebody else input that or say, hey, that was awesome. Like, good job. Yeah, I think I like being proud of, of something and, and someone. I, I like the the team aspect. It sort of like builds up in you. Probably like being proud of myself or being prideful. Uh, I, I think those are like two different things uh, where if I can be prideful or proud of something that I've done, uh, I, I try to separate those two things. And so... From the first, being proud of something I've done. It's typically being proud of, of something that has impacted other people. So the, the main focus of it is still other people. And so I'm proud of that accomplishment or, or what, whatever it would be. And then uh, being prideful is just believing that I've done this re- by myself regardless of anyone's help. That I don't need anyone's help. Uh, that it becomes more of an isolating mindset. And so that's something that, uh, obviously, I I think Scripture is more trying to avoid with that. And and maybe it's just like a a language thing, like like we haven't been able to distinctly describe the difference between those two emotions or feelings or whatever they are. Because I feel like those are two very different things, but we use the same word to describe both feelings and i i don't even know if i'm if i'm like descri- describing right. the differences right but i feel yeah, like yeah. we all we all can feel the difference uh between those two situations so that that's how i reconcile like hey it's uh, okay to be quote unquote proud of something while still using the word pride yeah it's it's funny to me how much the that was the whole problem with our with our loyalty conversation is that it's so hard to define the term Right. In in the sense of it just means different things to different people and it means different things in different contexts. And but like I feel like the definition of the word is kind of important, but then also it's kind of not important because we all kind of know sure. what it means. For me, when I think of like what pride means, if I would say like I'm proud to be an American, I think what 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 somebody would mean by that is I'm proud or I'm happy to be associated with the institution of America. America is a thing that is good enough thing that I'm glad that I'm associated with it. Or if like I'm proud yeah, I, yeah. I went to a certain school, right? I have school pride or something. I'm happy enough with that, with that institution and who they are and what they are that I'm glad to be associated with them in some way. And so when I think about that, it makes me think that pride is kind of a bad word to use with our kids. Because if, I, if my kid does something really, mm-hmm. really good, right? And is like, oh yeah, that was really cool yeah. that you did that. And then I say, I'm proud of you. What it means, <laughs> what I'm saying is like, at this moment, because you did this thing, I'm really happy to be associated with you. <laughs> yeah. But then it, it kind of brings into, I think, Kent's issue where it's like, well, if, if they don't do something or they do something that isn't great, does that mean I'm not happy to be associated with them? So I feel like it's just, to me, it's an issue of wording. I think that probably a lot of parents say they're proud of their kids. And what they really mean is, that was impressive. Like what you did impressed me or that really pleased me or that really made me happy. Or I thought that was a really great thing that you did. But it is, I think, I think generally the way we use pride in that sense is perhaps an unhelpful thing to say, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know that kids necessarily hear it that way or know that or, or whatever. Cause I think a lot of kids just hear that was a good thing you did, but the word itself, 
Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say I never want to make my child feel like I'm not happy to be associated with them or I'm not happy that they carry my name or something. You know, I'm not happy that they're not in the same same family as me. I am very convinced that God never feels that way. Like, yeah. like if you would ask me, is God proud yeah. of us for this conversation? I would say, yeah, I think he's proud of us in the sense that he's happy to be associated with us all the time. That No, I don't think he's happy with all of our actions and stuff. But yeah, it's tricky because the word, the word definition, it just means different things. I, I really like that because I think that ties, that makes the question relevant because before I'm like, I just don't even know what it means. And mm-hmm. then I think you, without somebody who's significantly mature, I think that you do communicate the inverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it does implicate that you are ashamed when somebody, when your kid doesn't do the right thing or what you wanted them to. Really? I, I, I don't think so. Ooh. <laughs> it's always better when we disagree. Yeah, I mean, just because, like, from my own experience, when I was little or young, if someone said they were proud of me, I was like, oh, my gosh, that, that's amazing. Like, I never – and then if they didn't say that and or if they just said, like, hey, good job, that was, that was awesome, too. Like, I never, I never took the absence of that phrase as, like, oh, my gosh, they're ashamed. Because I feel like if if they dis if a parent disapproves of if they actually disapprove, then they will just come out and say, "Hey, you did something wrong. That's not right. I'm disappointed." And so, because uh, I I feel like uh, a good parent should be saying that too. If if a child is doing actions that are harmful or not beneficial or whatever. Than saying like, "Hey, that was wrong. I'm disappointed in you." I I think saying those enough as well allows the the child to distinguish, "Hey, they're proud of me," versus, "Oh, I've done something bad and they're not happy with me." I think I'm kind of with Jake on this one. I think I'm leaning towards saying that I'm proud of my kids. Jake made a comment though, like recently, Theo. You can see him start to really respond to things that you praise him for like he's been really into just sprinting from our back (laughs) door to the front door he'll just like sprint back and forth and if i say like oh man you're really fast he'll like you can see him like take ownership of that and like assign (laughs) that in like a really small way to like his identity and so he like then wants to run faster and do it more after I like complimented and like said, Oh man, you're really fast. And like already it it, like, when you give approval like that in a meaningful way, it becomes like a part of your identity. And I I feel like though, the distinction that I would draw between what you and Jake said was you were praising him for something that he did versus tying yourself, you being taking the way you feel about yourself because of how he performed. So I feel like saying like, Oh, great job is not saying I'm proud of you. I feel like those are two very different, two very different things. Cause one is like a relational equality with you. The other one is just about his own performance. Yeah. That's a good point. It would be weird for me to say like, Dan, I'm proud that you did good on your class. (laughs) 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 
that well, yeah, because like, yeah, because you don't have anything to do with it, right? Or because you're not you're not tied to Dan in any way in his performance in the class. Justin, yeah. you could you could take a little credit for my for my first physics, mm. uh, the normal force. Yeah, are I'd you proud? Know. No. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm very. Are impressed you a proud by, dad? I'm, impre- I'm very impressed by you. <laughs> Well, I, I think what, yeah. what Dan, what you were saying before, even about the maturity level, that the absence would would speak like you're ashamed. I, the, the reason why I think that's the opposite is because even in my life, when I do something at work that I expect or anticipate someone to praise me for, if I, if I get no feedback, then I'm pretty indignant about it. And I'm like, hey... I did a really good job and you should at least like notice that I've done a good job, you know? And so not even saying anything is for me, a quote unquote mature adult human. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that. They must hate it if they didn't like say anything. Whereas I feel like a child just like that. They don't even notice that they only notice what you do say. And I feel like what adults do. What? Yeah. Well, yeah, Ooh, I feel like I children children either adhere to like, hey, I did something good or I did something bad, and that's because you like explicitly told me. Whereas I feel like adults read into it way too much and they're like, Hey, I should be praised and then like like the boss didn't even tell me I did something bad. They just don't say anything at all and then I still read into that negatively. Mm. I mean, I think there is like an innocence for sure that you're describing but i don't know i bet there's a whole lot more that they feel and think that is either unexpressible or they're un- unaware of or sure that that is uh, that i i buy that a little bit because yeah i'm sure with like theo running back and forth or like even when El- elliot does something he like turns back to look and there there's that like half second before i say anything that like anticipation of praise and acceptance, you you can see it in their eyes. Yeah. Like, ooh, I'm like they're they're gonna say something good about me. Yep. <laughs> so then the question, my question off of Jake's while ago was, I feel like I never want to use the words "I'm disappointed" in you. Right. I feel like that grows automatically as like shame building in them. Yeah. I, I haven't isn't. I haven't actually said that. I don't think I. I probably won't say that, but yeah, I was just using that as sure. an example. But yeah, the contrast. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, one, I really, I really like being a teacher because it it makes me feel like I have 140 teenage kids and and then a you know three under five or six or whatever. I mean, I not really obviously fully, but uh, but a little bit. You know, it kind of <laughs> gives you a little taste. And I have. So like, you know, I've had a couple of classes that don't do very well on certain tests or whatever. I can tell they didn't really do their best or didn't try that hard or in large, you know, and what I'll, what I'll find myself after the test and I'm sharing the results with them. And I, I'll say like, now this wasn't very good and I'm not mad. And then, then, then the, the kids will, the kids will chime out, but you're disappointed or whatever. And they're like, and that's worse, <laughs> you know, cause that's the classic line, right? Like parents right. say, I'm, mad, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Right. <laughs> so like when they said it the first time I like had, I had to think about it and I was like, am I disappointed? And my realization was for me is that I wasn't actually disappointed because I don't know, for me, it, it's kind of like the pride thing. Like for me being disappointed in someone is a little bit tied to that pride thing. And that like, am I disappointed in that I'm tied to them in some way that like they're my students and I wanted them to do better because they're my students and 
they didn't and that makes me feel sad because of some reason for me because of like for my own sake right yeah and obviously i think that's what you're saying is that we don't want to be disappointed in our kids for our own sake what i realize is that what i'm actually feeling for for them for students and i think this is what i would feel for my kids too is that when they don't make the right choice say they didn't study for their test I'm not mad at them. I'm not disappointed because I'm ashamed to be associated with them. I'm like ashamed that they're my students and I take on their grades a little bit. What I really feel is I'm sad. I'm sad for them because when I look at them and I look at, you know, the type of student that works hard and that studies and that prepares for their tests versus the type of student that doesn't, I know to some degree what the future holds for those two different students, for student A, for student B. And I know that student A who studies, who works hard, who does their best, who takes responsibility for themselves, like that student will have a happier, more fulfilled, more successful, better life, not only as a student, but just as like a person. And the other, the other student, student B, who doesn't study for their test, who blows it off, who forgets about it, who's unorganized, I can, I can see with some, some level of accuracy the future that that student has. And for me, it, like when I, when I see those two things, when I think about those two things, a student choosing one of those two paths, it, may, it does make me sad when I see them choosing student B because I think this is one you know you've taken one step closer towards a future that I know that you don't want for yourself and that I don't want for you and that does I mean I'm not grieving or anything but it, it does make me a little bit sad to know that some of my students will take that path and ultimately hurt themselves and so for me I think that's kind of informed like how I want to talk to my own kids I think that's mm-hmm. what I'm formulating yeah. is that like I'm not disappointed I'm not angry at you but you need to understand that these these the choices that you're making right now are the types of choices that will lead you to a future that I don't want for you and that you don't want for yourself. And it doesn't have anything to do with me and how I feel like that you're a part of my family, that you share my last name or whatever. It has everything to do with, I have a decent idea of the type of future that you want and I'm not, a, it, the, the action that you just did is not leading you to a place that I think you want to go. I like that. Did you say you're sad? Yeah, I, I would describe <laughs> it as, as, yeah, as sad, sadness, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's disappointment though. Right. Yeah, I mean, it just, so it like just depends on... I'm like, I just like, I hate this as a combo of definitions, but disappointed is sad or displeased because someone or something has failed to fulfill one's hopes or expectations. Yep. Yeah, I, I, th- I think what Justin's saying is that, like, he's disappointed not in, like, the association with them. Like, he's not, like, ashamed to be associated with them. It's more so in... The circumstance, not them character-wise, not them as people, not like not the relationship, but the circumstance. So, if you're going to go with that definition, Kent, then then would you still say that you you don't think you should tell your kids you're disappointed in them? Because I would say that I'm definitely going to tell my kids when they make me sad. Like if they do something that is that I think is bad for them, and that I think is bad for other people, I think I will definitely say that was a, that was not a great choice. That does make me sad. Because I'm pretty sure that we make God sad. I'm pretty sure that we grieve his heart when we hurt others, when we hurt ourselves, when we make all kinds of bad choices and sin. So I feel really comfortable being like my kids making me sad. But but yeah, I mean, just it, it, you're right. It does depend on how you define the word. I thought disappointed was kind of being like, I'm a little bit ashamed to be associated with you. Yeah. But maybe, maybe that's a different, maybe ashamed is a better word for that. Yeah, I, I would definitely say I wouldn't ever say I'm ashamed. Yeah. For sure. Dis- disappointed, I feel like, I don't know, it seems like that's kind of the same. Like, I had a hope that you would choose path A and you chose path B, and that has consequences. And it makes mm-hmm. me sad, disappointed that you chose path B. Yep. 
So if that's how we're, if that's how you want to define the word, does do you think God is disappointed in us ever? Do you think do you think God would ever say to us in in that in that context of that disappointed? Is God disappointed in us? Is He sad that we didn't make choices that and now we have certain consequences to deal with? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because well, I I just I think that's important just because like well I don't, I don't know I don't know if you know if it's that important, but I think all three of you said at some point like I don't think we should ever say say to our kids we're disappointed in them. Oh, I, I okay. think at the beginning of this conversation, I, I, I thought that's what everybody said. And I think that's because what you were really saying is we don't want our kids ever to feel like we're ashamed of them. Right. Uh, and, and disappointed kind of, you know, the, 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 the two words get muddled, right? Um, mm-hmm. And maybe they wouldn't to your kids, you know. I think the reason they get muddled is because <laughs> a lot of parents have told their kids, I'm disappointed in you. And what they actually mean is I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah, and, and they, you know, they've used those two words interchangeably sort of, which maybe they're not supposed to. It's just like a nice way of saying I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I mean that that's something that like Adrian and I talked about. Like we we explicitly said we we didn't want to be the grocery store parents who were yelling at their kids and being like, You're you're embarrassing me right, right now. Right. Because yeah. we are secure enough in our identities that our children cannot affect our identity and how we stand in front of God, how we stand in front of other people. And and so, yeah, that it's so funny, like hearing that, hearing that phrase, like you're embarrassing me. I'm ashamed of you for parents who are truly secure in themselves, regardless of, of their parenting style, regardless of what their children are doing. uh, That that's a pretty good place to be. Mm. Yeah, if you're embarrassed of your kids, it says more yeah. about you as a parent than right. them, as, <laughs> them as a kid, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a great point. How yeah. successful do you think you are so far, Jake, in not being not ever being embarrassed of your kids? Uh, pretty good. I mean, he's like super cute right now, and so <laughs> it's it's almost like to the other extreme where we're almost that parent who is too proud of their children. Like Elliot woke up today. Woo! Look how great my child is. Uh, so we're, we're, we're more on that end. Have you guys ever been embarrassed of your kids? I would say that it's been a temptation. I don't know if I have. I would say more that like the temptation for me has been more so embarrassment of parenting decisions because my kids get in trouble. Typically, it's social situations for letting them do something that other people yeah just aren't aren't tolerant of or think is dangerous or something else that i don't i don't think is and so i get kind of scolded for letting my kids run around or do whatever and then i need to check myself was that actually dangerous is this Mm. person doing it is it just a social norm Right. It's funny because, like, yeah, being a parent, <laughs> it, it, it will, uh, even more so, the older that our kids get, uh, will expose more and more beliefs that I think we are easy mm-hmm. to keep hidden or keep on the periphery. But, you know, our kids kind of become like a walking fountain of our perspectives for a little while, I think. <laughs> and so, That's good. I think down the road... It will still be the same temptation, but it will be more closely linked to them because of how we've parented. Right. For instance, at a gym, climbing gym that I was at, <laughs> I let Eli go to the bathroom while I was on the wall. I was like 
40 feet up. I was trying this one problem, and I had my buddy, he was belaying me, and apparently Eli had been, like, stuck, he was, like, caught in the bathroom door with his arm, (laughs) and I I didn't know that he was screaming, because, you know, whatever, I gotta talk to you for that, Uh, and I'm like, oh, that sounds about right, you know, like, I wasn't, he wasn't in any serious danger, but it was just annoying for, like, other customers of the gym. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that, you know, I told him not to go into the bathroom. I told him to come get me if you needed it. And so it seemed like a fitting consequence. But I was tempted. I was definitely tempted to be like, oh, yeah, I should have done something different in that scenario. Yeah, I, I feel like that's I'm not sure if this is generational generation wide, but I feel like our generation of parents might be swinging a, in a pretty hard, like a reactionary way to I feel like our parents generation was very aware of social norms and was very insistent that children adhered to them and potentially was a lot more prone to get embarrassed by their kids if they didn't stick to certain social norms. And then I feel like when I hear a lot of parents or what I see a lot of parents doing that are our peers is sort of reacting to that by maybe being a little bit too free, I guess, with the rules or a little bit like my kid can do whatever they want. Like <laughs> social norms don't matter at all. There's no, uh, <laughs> there's no reason for my kid to, to adhere to any kind of social regulations. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's what I feel like the pendulum swing that's happening. And I'm kind of checking myself lately because I would very much say that I'm that way that I'm like, who cares what you think? My kid's my own kid. Like I get to do one with him. Your rules don't matter. Whatever. All that kind of stuff. I think in a bad way in too much. And I'm, I'm sort of coming, coming back a little bit. I think the most recent example of that was so we have a pool like in the middle of our apartment complex. It's like a big enclosed rectangle and there's a pool in the middle of it. Probably about a year and a half ago or two years ago, Cameron was two and a half or three. And I'm pretty sure he was drinking pool water all the time when we were in the pool. <laughs> and we tell him not to. We bring his water bottle down. We try to, you know, get him to drink the whole bottle before he goes so he wouldn't be thirsty. But I'm pretty sure it just like he didn't know how to close his mouth or like whatever. So he'd just get water in his mouth and he would just swallow it. He wouldn't spit it back out or something. So he was having to – we'd go out swim, swim for an hour and he would want – he would have to pee five times an hour. He would come up and be like, I have to go pee. And then, you know, we'd go up and take him to the bathroom. And we're on, we're on the third floor, so we have to go up the elevator. And it would, take, it would take, like, you know, eight minutes or whatever to go pee or whatever. And we just got really tired of doing that five times an hour. And so then one day, Nicole and I looked at each other and we were like, do you think it's okay if he just pees in the bushes? You know? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, that, I think that's okay. And so we're like, Cameron, just go to, like, a, a quieter place and just pee in the bushes. So then he did that. And he would, like, he would literally pee four or five times when we're out there for an hour. And so we just kind of let that go. And then he, now he's over four, you know, about four and a half and about a month ago, I think it was. So he's definitely old enough to go up the elevator by himself, open our door. He can now go in the room in the house by himself, but he kind of has embedded in him. Like I can pee outside kind of wherever I want, you know, (laughs) uh, because we did that. And so then he, he's like, we're downstairs playing on the playground and he's like, dad, I have to go to the bathroom. I said, okay, go upstairs. And he looks at me and he just shakes his head, just kind of like slyly. He like looks at and he shakes his head. No. And I was like, what? He's like, he just, point, he just like points at the drain with kind of like this sly look in his eye. And I was like, oh, should I, should I not? I don't know. I was like, oh, okay, fine. I don't care. You know, because I don't care about social norms. And so he, so he w- walks up to the drain, you know, starts to pee. And then some 60 year old Chinese guy slides open his window and starts yelling at me and starts yelling at Cameron <laughs> because he's like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, that's not. You can't do that out here. That's not what that's not what this is for. <laughs> you, you, know, you can't do that here. And you know, you can imagine how a four-year-old would react to like, you know, a, a big scary guy, whatever, yelling at us. So Cameron starts to cry, and I'm like, Yeah, okay, you're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, you're right. I'm sorry, sorry. 
And so then I take Cameron upstairs because he, he wasn't quite done peeing. And then he, he's just you know, <laughs> losing it. He's crying. He's like really, really, you know, affected by it. I was like, oh, Cameron, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, bud. Like that was, that was totally dad's fault. I, I shouldn't have let you, I should not have let you pee outside. You know, you're four years old. You can go upstairs. You need to go upstairs whenever you do it. And we had to talk about it for, I would say probably 10 minutes before he like calmed down and, and understood what was going on and what happened and that kind of thing. But to me, that was like, it was clearly a, a pretty impactful situation because he didn't know what he was doing wrong and he got yelled at and he felt ashamed. He felt like he, you know, attacked kind of. And it was all because I gave him permission to do something. And so he felt like he was in the right, but then he also got responded to wrongly. And it was just, I realized like, that's a situation that I don't want to put my kids in, especially when they're too young to really comprehend and understand what's going on. Where like, is it a huge problem that Cameron pees in this drain? To me, not really. But if society says like, you know, we don't want people peeing outside, that's probably a good, you know, it's just a good rule to like, (laughs) to adhere to. Like they are there sometimes for reasons and it does matter what other people think, you know, because what other people think can affect your kids. So yeah, that was a, that was a little bit of a wake up call to me where I was like, maybe I should give a little more credence to, to these social norms that I've kind of been bucking or not really caring about for a while because I did that and it negatively affected my kid in a, in a, I would say a significant way. Does he uh, go up to the, go upstairs now? Yeah. I mean, he, he did before that. He just like oh, that day, he just didn't want to, you know, cause oh, he, it, it just depends on how he's feeling. He was like having fun okay. and he didn't want to take a break, you know? Um, so he was before he just decided this one time that he like, didn't want to, uh-huh. I totally get it. Cause it is a little bit confusing. Cause there's some situations like last week we went, a, went, a, went on a hike in the jungle and it's super secluded. It's just like the woods, right? There's like little trails or whatever. And he has to pee and we're 45 minute hike away from a bathroom. And so we're like, Oh, Cameron, just pee in the woods. And you could tell he like tensed up and got scared when we told him to do that. He like, looked at us and he was like, what? And we're like, yeah, you know, it, like it is okay in this situation, but not in, you know, and it's, like, it's, so, so, so then he like doesn't necessarily trust, he didn't trust what we were saying as much anymore because. At any point, a 60 year old Chinese man might. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Did you guys, uh, a little off topic, but did you guys tell people who were smoking uh, that they shouldn't smoke because it's bad for you when you were younger? Mm, I, I definitely know. went up to like multiple people smoking cigarettes um, you're like you shouldn't smoke smoking will kill you you'll get cancer <laughs> when you were how old uh i was under 10 when i was in north uh, carolina but old enough to remember and be like riding around on a bike and like next door neighbors when they were out smoking or whatever they like said that to my parents <laughs> Nobody, nobody else. <laughs> you guys did that. I'm very surprised, actually. I, I wouldn't pretend to smoke a lot. Okay. <laughs> well. Please, please don't edit that question out. I won't. I'll leave it cool. Well, can't we? Sometimes we close with a uh, question of: Is there anything that we talked about today that you would bet your salvation on? The philosophy behind the question being. There are lots of opinions about parenting. There are lots of, you know, philosophies and approaches to parenting. And it's very hard to know what is right and wrong with parenting. And essentially, we're, we're trying to admit that we're, we don't really have any idea what the universal way to parent is. And that probably there isn't a universal way to parent. And so we like to sometimes distill the conversation down into what, what are the things that we talk about that are actually important or that actually we, we're sure that we're sure are true. We have a, a pattern of how we always respond, I think, which you'll observe now. <laughs> I am absolutely sure 
that I am not betting my salvation on anything that I'm saying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like having Kent here because I feel oh, like man. I I'm siding I, with Dan on this one. <laughs> I am the most conservative I feel out of all three of us, and so it's nice to have another uh, conservative member. Jake yep. is by far the riskiest. Oh yeah, every episode he has something that he's willing to. <laughs> Yeah, I've lost my salvation at least twice, but I've gained it like four or five times. So I'm <laughs> trying ahead. to, yeah, I'm trying to hit like at least like 60%. So if I can get 60% of my soul into heaven uh, when, when I die, then yeah. <laughs> so, Jake, do you have anything you would, that you would bet? Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will. 40% damnation over here. <laughs> I will bet my salvation that uh, shame is not a part of God's parenting style and that it should not be a part of mine. Yep, that's what I, that's what I was going to say too. I like that. Boom. Yeah. I think you're safe on that yeah. one. I think you're safe. Yeah. If I'm wrong, <laughs> then Justin will he'll be with me. Yeah, can hang out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, that's it for part one. Next week, we'll be back with part two. We actually ended up talking with Kent for about two and a half hours, so we thought it would probably be better to split that into two episodes rather than trying to cram it into one. So we'll be back next week answering the question, how then, if we want to praise our kids or tell them we're proud of them or whatever you want to do, how do we do that without creating a conditional or performance-based approval or affection in our relationship with our kids. So I hope to see you back next week for that one. As always, tell your spouse about this podcast, listen to it with them, see if it could spark some meaningful conversations between you. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, leave us a review on iTunes. Any and all of that stuff will help us get these conversations in more people's ears, which is what we want. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next week.